more things change, the more they stay the same. Oklahoma's sixth consecutive Big 12 championship. The Sooners own the Big 12. More specifically, Trey Brown owns AT&T Texas Stadium. Just incredible uh, just what Trey Brown is. We, we could spend this podcast probably 20 minutes talking about Trey Brown's accomplishments in the Big 12 championship game. But let's talk about other things as well while we're at it. Um, Oklahoma, I'm, I'm just trying to think how to really, this is a rough start. I'm trying to think how to jump into this. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Oklahoma not being in the playoff. By the way, this is a Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich. I'm Matt. And I just, that's what I was trying to think how to say this. I think they got it right. I mean, I really do. I, I know there's people are going to argue about Notre Dame being number four. Maybe A&M should have got in there. But I, I think when you, when you look at it, what have I been saying all along? I, I started out saying this was Clemson's season to lose. And I still think even though they're not the number one seed, I think they're the best team in the playoff. But I think you got three teams that are really, really good. Alabama, who I got, I've been giving them credit for quite a while, being the best team, better team than I thought they were going to be. I, I never thought Alabama was going to be as solid as they are right now offensively. Mac Jones, I talked about it. I think he won the Heisman Trophy Saturday night by winning the SEC. Really? Yes. I think he won the Heisman Trophy. I already voted for the Maxwell. I've, I've, I've confessed this. I already voted him number one on, on the Maxwell Award. Clemson, I think you're going to get Alabama Clemson in the championship. I think that's what's coming your way. Ohio State, they, they, they're good. They're solid. Uh, they're the top three team in the country. I said this the other, when we were talking about the Big Ten changing the rules. It was the right move because this was Ohio State's opportunity. You're shaking your head. I get it. And Notre Dame. I get it. Notre Dame got curb stomped. They got curb stomped. But you know what Notre Dame has that Texas A&M doesn't have? They got a top five win. And everyone's like, oh, what about Florida? Florida's not top five. Sorry. They're not. And and Notre Dame also beat North Carolina. So I'm sorry. We've seen Alabama, and we've seen Alabama play Texas A&M. We know how that ends. And, right. and we know that Alabama's going to beat Notre Dame. We know that. But at least it's something different. It's like Jurassic Park, right? You know in Jurassic Park, the dinosaur is going to eat the nerdy scientist guy who gets on everyone's nerves. You know that's going to happen. You, <laughs> you're making this I, face. I know, I'm teasing. The dinosaur, they it's, think It's been so long since I've think, seen Jurassic Park. But, but that, is like the, 20, that is what, what I'm saying Jurassic is Park in, movies. The, in the original, there are two things that I remember as clear as day, and that's one of those. So if I were to ever go back and watch it, I know as soon as the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex appears on the scene, I know what's about to happen. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like, here's it's what you— funny. It doesn't matter which version of Jurassic Park you watch. That's what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. It doesn't matter which version of Jurassic Park— park you watch the big tyrannosaurus rex is going to come in at the end and save the day he's actually going to be a good guy you know that's going to happen and you know that notre dame is going to lose to alabama but you're going to watch it anyway because you've already seen alabama beat texas a&m they got it right the, the the committee they got it right top four teams are in the playoffs and as an oklahoma fan i'm okay i'm a-okay because i cannot make an argument that oklahoma can beat Alabama or Clemson. I'm okay with this. Thoughts? Yeah, when it comes to Ohio State, Matt, I am going to continue to disagree. What I will say about Ohio State is that 
And this was brought up on the broadcast for the Oklahoma-Iowa State game in the Big 12 championship, is that these college football playoff teams are being looked at because of their past records, not what they've done this season. There is a little bit of bias in this current ranking system. I know that the BCS had a human element, but it also had a computer element. And you're seeing people argue for that type of a system to come back. It's not coming back. There's just no way. But I think this year of any year speaks volumes to this college football playoff and that it needs to expand because you have several undefeated teams from the mid-majors. And the best comparison that I've heard, Matt, at this point in time is that the college football playoff is, is essentially becoming the NCAA tournament for basketball where the mid-majors get shafted and don't get these high... Uh, selections or, or high seedings in that NCAA tournament. You have Coastal Carolina, who's undefeated, and you can go back and you can look at their record. You can see what they've done. They've got wins over ranked opponents. You can look at Cincinnati as well, who I think has the biggest case no. of anyone. No, no, Cincinnati no. doesn't have a case at no. all is what you're telling right. me. Right. No, I would take Coastal Carolina over Cincinnati. Tell me, what's, well, what's, what's Cincinnati's football playoff wouldn't? What's Cincinnati's marquee win? Right now, it's Tulsa. Okay. So you're telling me that team with the, the marquee win is Tulsa. You would take them over Ohio State. That's what you're really going to go on record saying that. The best win that they have. By the way, they duck Tulsa. You know this, right? I do know that. So, so they, that they, they could get home field advantage. Right. So this is a team that didn't even play a complete schedule, but because they didn't want to risk losing in Tulsa and losing that home field advantage for the conference championship. Mm-hmm. There's, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you Coastal Carolina. I'm not going to give you Cincinnati. And here's the other thing. Coastal Carolina, by not being able to play the Sun Belt Championship game, that cost them. They could, I don't know that they would have been in the playoff, but I think they could have got a New Year's Six. Well, Cincinnati beats two ranked teams, Matt. We'll figure out just how good they are. Who are they? Tell me the ranked teams that they beat. They're going to play Georgia in their bowl game. They beat Memphis. No, okay. No, Memphis beat them. Yeah. Wait, no. 2019. Yeah, let's go to 2020. Let's go to 2020. So I I clicked the link here and it pulled up. I don't know why, but it included that game in their 2020. Whoever's running this website may need to correct that for me. ESPN, are you listening? No, it's not ESPN. Oh. I didn't correct that or catch that initially, but we will correct that. So the only ranked team that they, they have beat, you're right, it is Tulsa. Coastal Carolina has three three wins against ranked opponents then, correct? And I see your point. I'll concede this one for Cincinnati, but Cincinnati's stat line is much better, and I get it. Everybody wants to say you have to look at the quality of the opponent. Coastal Carolina trying to do themselves some favors. Schedules a a pretty good BYU team, a BYU team that at the time was in the top 15. When they met, they were both undefeated. Take that for what it's worth, Matt. What happened to BYU after that game? I don't know. I'm not a BYU fan. Okay, I'm just saying. But I'm looking at them. BYU 10-1 and on the season. Number 16 in the rankings. What happened to them after that game? Uh, nothing. They won. They, but the the point I'm making is they lost to Coastal Carolina 22 to 17, and then they struggled. They ended up winning, but they they like like B, uh, BYU. Yeah, BYU was was viewed as this juggernaut. Okay, and their best win was Boise State, who just got trucked by San Jose State in their conference championship game. I, like there's just you you just go out here and you see, I I, I get your argument. Okay, I get. Well, it. I have a proposal. Well, hold up. I get your argument, but what I'm saying is, when you look at Coastal Carolina, when you when you look at Cincinnati, 
Cincinnati ducked top opponents. Mm-hmm. Don't reward them for that. Right. Coastal Carolina, they kind of came out of nowhere and and give them credit, but again, not being able to play in in the uh, conference championship game against, and that would have been a ranked team. Louisiana's number nineteen, but but you're talking about they they beat Kansas. There's a power five win. Name me they I mean they who's their next best win? I'm Kansas isn't a good win, so BYU. I mean, I'm just saying there's when you look at Ohio State, when you look at Clemson, when you look at Alabama, when you look at Notre Dame, and if you're gonna compare a resume, compare it and and look at what they've done. AM has no business being in the college football playoff. But AM has a better argument than either Cincinnati what, or Coastal. Seven game win streak. I'm just saying. Thank you, Jimbo Fisher. A&M has a better argument than Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati, and A&M didn't deserve it either. I I'm not disagreeing with Texas A&M being there. You I, think they should be there? No, no, no. Oh. I'm I'm not saying that they deserve to be in that Final Four, but I, I do think there is a solution, and that is expansion. Right. I know that's been a no, very I agree. I agree hot topic, and a lot of people want that to expand to eight teams. I would venture to say let's expand it to twelve. No. And and the real reason why is because all of a sudden it doesn't matter where Ohio twelve State doesn't falls. work though. Yeah, it does. No, because you, the like, top four get a buy. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All I right. know. I knew where you were going with that. Yeah, you, so yeah, let I'm, me jump ahead of the yeah, curve yeah, here. Yeah, but it, what it's going to do, Matt, is ultimately it's going to weed out those teams that just shouldn't have been there. Uh-huh. And I think there there is an argument to be made for some of these mid-majors, some of the group of five conference winners to have been included. And they would have been included, in my opinion, should have been included in that top eight. However, you look at Coastal Carolina, an undefeated team that we're saying has a, a better argument than Coast, um, than Cincinnati, excuse me. Being at that number 12 spot, if these were the final rankings, they still wouldn't have been included. But Therefore, that, that's why I'm going with the 12. Okay. Top four get a bye, which would be that Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and, and Ohio State would get that bye. Everybody else would play. I'm just – just here. tell me who of the four teams in the playoffs that Coastal Carolina would beat. I mean, given a month of preparation, anything could happen. Rich, they don't have a month. They have what? 13 days give tell me who of the top four because coastal carolina is gonna play alabama if they're in there they're gonna beat alabama i i mean i think there's only who's, one team that could beat alabama this year it's clemson mm-hmm. who's gonna play alabama tougher notre dame or coastal carolina coastal carolina so are you gonna tune in to watch a blowout <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't believe you You're did shaking. that matt notre, notre dame was just very unimpressive to me over the weekend are you are you going to tune in to watch a blowout of Coastal Carolina? Or are you going to tune in to watch out a blowout of Notre Dame? I mean, Notre Dame's the name brand. I it mean, is. You're, it whoever is. that four spot is is just sacrificial bait. And if you're throwing the sacrificial bait in there, you might as well throw sacrificial bait that's going to bring you millions of viewers. Right. And this the whole thing is centered around money. We're clear on that. I'm not arguing. It's college athletics, man. Notre Dame is a national brand. Has one of the largest footprints of all college programs. Not just football here. But one of the largest footprints for athletics in the college world is Notre Dame, unquestionably. I agree. I'm, I agree. Matt, I'm, I just, I'm not saying that Notre Dame has a real shot here. No, listen, Notre Dame. I'm not Dame, saying Coastal Carolina but, but, would either. Follow, follow me here on this. Notre Dame will play Alabama better than what they play Clemson because Alabama's defense is not spectacular. 
I mean, when you're scoring 50 points a game. Well, that's that's the point I'm making is that I think that game will be uh, be actually mildly more entertaining than what the Clemson Notre Dame game was. Clemson's got the best de- Alabama's got the best defense in the playoff. Oh, excuse me, Alabama's got the best offense in the playoff. Clemson's got the best defense in the playoff. And what's going what's going to happen is you're going to see Ohio State not a great defense. They're going to lose to Clemson, mm-hmm. and then you're going to see I. I I don't know what the over-under is for Alabama and Clemson in the championship game, but take the over. I don't know what it is, but take the over. Yeah, my last thoughts here, Matt, on the college football playoff is, were you surprised that Oklahoma jumped five spots to number six? No, because of where um, you got to consider Florida losing. Right. Um, and then I thought Florida should have been behind Oklahoma last week. Well, I mean, I, I think they're going to give them credit for Pitts not being in the game and then the the boneheaded shoe toss. I, I just I think there's a little bit of consideration given there. But then you look at Oklahoma beating Iowa State. Iowa State was like number six, right? Somewhere around yeah, there. So they, yeah, they were number yeah, six. So mm-hmm. they I, they've just flipped places. Yeah. So I'm not surprised at that at all. Okay, so here's your Big 12 Bowl lineup. Oklahoma State is going to play Miami. They will get trucked by the Hurricanes on December 29th. Then you've got uh, Texas in their home away from homes playing Colorado in the Alamo Bowl on December 29th. Old Big 12 matchup. Iowa State gets sent off to the Fiesta Bowl to play Oregon. That will be a fun game coming up on January 2nd. Of course, we know that Oklahoma is playing Florida in the Cotton Bowl. We'll talk more about that as as things approach. That pretty much sums it up for you, Big 12 Bowl lineup. I, the, only, the only team I can say right now that I look at this Big 12 schedule and I think they have no chance to win is Oklahoma State. And Miami's not a great team. It's just Oklahoma State limped. If there was a Big 12 team who, who was going to say, you know what, due to COVID concerns, I think we're just going to opt out of going bowling. It should have been Oklahoma State. They limped to the finish line, and Miami's going to bring a level of physicality that's going to really hurt Oklahoma State. Um, and I just I don't see the Cowboys having yeah, a if, chance here. If Oklahoma State had put together a fully scholarship, I don't even know if they're using walk-ons. At this point, but that is my assumption, given the attrition on the offensive line. If there was an, a, re, a resemblance of an offensive line that they would field in that bowl game, I would give them an opportunity to keep that one close. But Miami is clearly the better team. And, and I don't think Miami is a great team either. So that's just my thoughts there. OK, uh, Oklahoma, Iowa State, we'll wrap that up with um, our postgame thoughts and then we'll jump into a few things on Oklahoma and Florida. Oklahoma 27, Iowa State 21. Sooners hang on. Three points in the final 30 minutes. We'll get into that. A great second quarter. Really good defensively first quarter. Altogether, Sooners played well in the first half. They didn't play terrible in the second half. 27-21. We forget this was the number six team in the country. We're going we're gonna to gripe and we're going to moan about three points in the second half. They still won by six. If they scored zero points in the second half, they still win this game. Bottom line is Sooners are the Big 12 champs for the sixth consecutive season. And Rich has something to say. Yes, because I don't think it's looking at Iowa State and saying this is or forgetting that this was the number six team in the country heading into that contest. I think more along the lines, and I may have shared 
this, Matt, you and I were talking off air here, but I shared this with you previously. I think the the mindset really went back to those first couple of games in conference for Oklahoma when what you saw was a reluctance to continue to push, to continue to stretch the field. And ultimately, you saw teams climb back into the game and then claim that win. Iowa State in the fourth quarter had a chance to claim the win, but we know that that third turnover for Brock Purdy sealed the deal for Oklahoma. Right. That's, we, that was the bigger concern there. It, no, no, but we talked about the game plan, put pressure on Brock Purdy, right. pressure produces turnovers. Right. And and do you remember I, I brought up in our preview, the Baylor game? And that would be in the oh. best defense, the most physical defense that he's played in the last five games. And what happened in the Baylor game? Three turnovers. It, Brock Purdy's a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I think he has a good chance to leave right now and go to the NFL. I think that's how good he is. I have no problem with him being the number one quarterback in the Big 12. The first team, I, I, well, I explained that last week. But the point is, he's a he's a normal person. So when you put pressure, he runs through his progressions quicker. He makes bad decisions like most quarterbacks would. And that last play, you and I, you and I discuss off off the air during the game yesterday. You kind of wanted to put that last play on the coaching staff. That last play is not on the coaching staff. That last play is on Brock Purdy. It ended on Brock Purdy, it started, but it did not no, start there. No, you have to, you as the quarterback, you have to get the you have to get the play call. You have to get everybody set. And then you have to make a decision. So Brock Purdy made the bad decision. He tried. He took to two. Snap the ball. No, to, to throw the pass. <laughs> Here's the situation. How many timeouts did Iowa State have? One. How much time was left in the game? Seconds. So you burn your time out there, mm-hmm. and then the next play, Brock Purdy gets sacked. Then what happens? The, the game, game ends just like it did. No, but I'm saying is you you got the turnover. You got to pocket that. You got to pocket that timeout for a situation like that. As the no. quarterback, who's the number one quarterback in the Big Twelve, you got to throw that ball away. That's all on Brock Purdy. And I was telling you before we started recording, there were moments in this game where you could tell it was Iowa State's first rodeo, and that's one of them. The all and when we talked about the pressure, Oklahoma's been there. This is six in a row. First time for Iowa State. All the pressure was going to be felt by Iowa State. Mm-hmm. You got Matt Campbell's meltdown in the first well, and, half. And they had everything to lose because 100%. It, Matt, I, I do believe that we could potentially be having a different conversation here if Iowa State wins that nas- national championship, but the, the Big 12 championship. I think they all of a sudden, being that number 16 beforehand, have a better case than Texas A&M to be included because... Well, they'll be number five then. They're because, still not getting in. Right, right. But because of the weight right. of that. And so you would have heard a lot of those comments. I'm going to go back to that play that you're specifically referencing there in the fourth quarter that sealed the deal for Oklahoma because what happens with that? I get that there's only one timeout, but there are other options that you can use to stop the No, clock. not if you get sacked. If you get sacked, you're done because the, the clock doesn't mm-hmm. stop with the quarterback sack. Right. It keeps ticking. So then you got to get the ball set. You got to get your, right. your team set. You got to get the play in. Or if you just throw the ball away, Clock stops. You got th- right. time to do all of that. That's what he should have done. You got to pocket that timeout. Right, but but before that play even happens, Matt, there's a lot of what appears to be miscommunication from Iowa State on because, the quarterback because tight ends are running off of the field and then back on it. And not only are they running back onto the field, they're running to the far side of the field. 
to get set. If that's on the quarterback, that's on the quarterback. But I, I fully well, believe I say that quarterback, that's, that's a miscommunication. That's on player personnel, not on coaches. Yes. The coaches did the right thing. I will, I, Matt Campbell, he screwed the pooch in a couple different places in this game. That's not one of them. It's not one of them. <laughs> and when he lost his composure, his team lost their composure. In the in the first half, why was that first half mm-hmm. so bad? Matt Campbell wasn't composed. He was Lincoln Riley at the Rose Bowl against Georgia. Yeah, it was a lot of emotion. And and when when you when you lose that, now he he regrouped and regathered in the himself. Locker room right. at halftime. Yes, but that moment that's on player personnel. That is not on coaching. And again, if you're the top quarterback in the conference, you take the snap. You know you you know a lot of times come off the clock. Mm-hmm. You take the snap. If it's not there, ball's out of bounds. Right. And I I here's here's what I'll say because once the ball has been snapped, I agree 100% with you. That's on Brock Purdy. But the fact that they didn't look ready to me warranted using that last timeout because you knew that in the waning seconds of the game, you either had an opportunity to win that one or at least tie it. Mm-hmm. depending on a, a pending field goal, but you had an extra oppor- point, you extra point, but yeah. you had an opportunity to send that one into overtime or to win it. It was worth exhausting the timeout. Once the ball is snapped, you got to credit this Oklahoma defense and that defensive front seven for doing what they did the entire game. Cause where did that pressure come from? It came right from the middle. Perry and Winfrey, Joshua Ellison, huge, huge impact upon this game on a consistent basis in flushing Brock Purdy out of the pocket as he's rolling to his right. I don't know if you counted the jerseys, Matt, but I think it's it's six or it's seven. I, I'm pretty sure that it's it's closer to six. It may even be five on the white, but I'm going with six for now. Okay, so six white jerseys, and you have two black jerseys, and one of them is way downfield. There are zero options. When I look up, if I'm in Brock Purdy's shoes, when I look up and I see six to two as my odds, I, I agree with you. That one's going out of bounds because you can, out of the pocket, you can legally throw that away without any kind of a penalty. Instead, he tries to force it, and, and that was the mistake on Brock Purdy. Once the ball was snapped, it's all on him. Well, and I'm all I'm just saying is I will I will die on this hill. You don't burn a timeout there. You don't. You just because because you can still get a playoff, and you can save it. But if you get sacked, you're sunk. You got to have that timeout to get in case. And let's not act like there wasn't pressure on Brock Purdy all day. So a sack is a realistic possibility. Um, Trajan Bridges. Are you were you surprised that he had as little impact as he did in this game? I am. I, I thought they would use him. They went to him one time vertically. I really thought he we and talked that was a catchable pass. A very catchable pass. And I thought because we talked about taking those vertical shots on, on our on our preview. And I really thought, wow, he's gonna be eligible. That there's your vertical threat guy right, right there. I really thought they'd use him more. I I just it, it came down to how much how much repetition he had. Mm-hmm. How involved was he in practice? And I get that you can be involved with the first team. You can run the scout team all season long, but it's that limited rep- repetition in in the first team, getting comfortable, developing that chemistry there, which all these other guys had. It, it, the bigger surprise to me has been Charleston Rambo, and that's that's all season, that's a though. season long, right? Thing. Yeah, absolutely. Marvin Mims again, I thought was spectacular. Became that vertical threat, did what what we thought he was capable of, and what we witnessed him do throughout the first half of the season. So 
I do agree with you in that I thought Trajan Bridges would have an impact. As soon as they cleared him, there was some excitement. There were some rumblings that he would play and play consistently. Having that one target is the only memorable one from the game. Doesn't surprise me, though. And like I said, it just goes back to how how comfortable was he? Mm-hmm. Did he know um, in terms of what's being asked of him? Did he know and was he able to complete that? And, and we'll never know because we're not sitting there in the practices. Oklahoma with 392. It's kind of a Chandler Morris situation for me, but uh, we'll get, we'll to get that. there. Yeah, 392 yards on offense for the Sooners against a great Iowa State defense. 272 through the air, 120 on the ground. Ramondre Stevenson, 18 carries, 97 yards. Uh, Marvin Mims, seven receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Spencer Rattler, 22 with 34, 272 yards, and a touchdown to Mims. Rattler also ran for two touchdowns. Uh, this is a great, not a great, this was a good offensive performance by the Sooners. But when you look at the the level of defense that they're going up against, these are two of the top three defenses in the Big 12. The Oklahoma fans were not satisfied. And I and I did see, you know, Joe from Anadarko is the guy I like to call him. I saw lots of them on social media Saturday evening going, this game shouldn't have been close. You know, it should have been a blowout. Iowa State didn't deserve to be on the same field. Okay, excuse me? Are you, do you watch football or you just turn it on when the Sooners are playing? Because this was a good Iowa State team. This was the num- legitimate number six team in the country to uh, a great a great defense. Like I said, Oklahoma and Iowa State combined for two of the top three defenses in the conference. And when you close out the season, it was the number one and number two defenses in the Big 12 closing this out. And so just to assume, because there is the I and the state on one helmet and the interlocking O and U on the other helmet, they don't deserve to be on the same field together. It really is a statement of football ignorance. So if you're Lincoln Riley, I... Did I enjoy the second half? No, I did not. Did I understand the second half? Absolutely. I understood every second of it. Okay, start start explaining over here because a lot of us are are sitting here like Ricardo and asking Lucy what's going on, okay? I'm like, who's Ricardo? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's here's what you've got going on. You've got an explosive second quarter. You go into the break with a 24-7 lead, and your defense is dominating. You're dominating. Where, where do you have more of the possibility to make a mistake that would turn the game? On the offensive side of the ball or the defensive no, side of the ball? offensive side of the ball. And so you've for, got, for me, at least. No, 100%. And it's because of across, the propensity for turnovers. Across the board, that's accurate. But what we're spoiled, we're spoiled to Baker Mayfield, upperclassman, Kyler Murray, upperclassman. Yes, thank, Jalen thank Hurts, you for upperclassman. We're spoiled to all of that, and we have forgotten. Here's what we've forgotten. This is the least experienced team that Lincoln Riley has ever coached. Least experienced across yeah, the board. If, if that wasn't evidence to begin conference play, I, I feel like you may have been living under a rock. And I'm glad that you pointed that out because that was a fact that I think is very easy to forget, given the tradition that Oklahoma has at quarterback, when we think about the past four years, not not counting this year, five when years, because we, we had two last two years of Baker, and then and right. then Kyler. Well, okay, four. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Last four years, it, <laughs> math it's been, is hard. <laughs> math hard. It's been players with a lot of experience. It's been players who have shown that they can throw the ball, even if they're asked to throw it 50 times in a singular game. 
Spencer Rattler, I do believe can do that, but it's getting him comfortable Mm -hmm. in those types of situations. It's getting him used to the speed of the game on the collegiate level. Whereas you didn't have to do that with a Baker Mayfield. Why? Because he got those reps in at Texas tech. You didn't have to do that with Kyler Murray. Why? Because he got those reps in where Texas A&M, you didn't have to do that with Jalen hurts. Cause again, he got those reps in at Alabama. Spencer Rattler is a quarterback that we as I say we like we're sitting there on the coaching staff, but that Oklahoma is still breaking in to this mm-hmm. collegiate level of play. Now, has he excelled on the second half of the season? Absolutely. No issues, no qualms with the performance over the past five games. But we still have to remember this is a kid first year as a starter is going to have those growing pains. And the last place you want to experience growing pains is when you're in a game for all the marbles. Kansas State, Iowa State, first half of Texas, Spencer Rattler learned the disastrous results of turning the football over. And so we're screaming, and I say we, I'm talking about this Joe from Anadarko portion of the fan base. Run the ball up! Run the score up! You know, take your foot off, don't take your foot off the gas. We're screaming all these things. And what here's what we're not realizing. Here's what we're not computing. The the vertical routes were there. The opportunity to stretch the field was there. But Spencer Rattler was told, don't mess this up. Take the sure thing. It's, it wasn't Lincoln Riley's play calling. It was it was Spencer Rattler's execution. And what did Lincoln Riley say after the game? He said, this is probably one of the best games that Spencer Rattler has played. He did what? He made great decisions with the football. I don't, I don't care if you win by a half a point. If you win, but yet we're spoiled to style points, and then you got this crazy portion of the fan base that believes we that we belong in the in the college football playoff, and we blew it by not run ruling Iowa State. If you if you start going vertical, if you if you tell the quarterback, hey, force it, make that long throw happen. Mistakes are going to be made. Let Iowa State make the mistakes. Let the pressure be on them. Let them make the mistakes. Let them shoot themselves in the foot. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. Kudos to Lincoln Riley. Six in a row. So just so we're clear. Dropping the mic. Just so we're clear here. Skip Bayless went on Twitter, as you know, and there are some tweets, which, man, I have this love-hate relationship with Skip Bayless as a personality. I don't know him as an individual, but with him, Oklahoma's as, own Skip with Bayless. him as a personality, because we see... The conclusion of this game, here's what he says. Spencer Rattler went cold, and Lincoln Riley went shockingly punt and play D conservative, and Oklahoma nearly blew a 24-7 lead to an Iowa State stocked with NFL prospects. Still, yet another championship for the Sooners. That's not a good take on the game by any analyst. You're clearly disagreeing with that by what you've just previously said. Am I I, incorrect in that assumption? Yes. And look, Skip Bayless, what's his job? His job is to get people talking. His job is not to provide outstanding analysts towards games and situations. Because if it was, he's right there with Stephen A. Smith on the worst takes people in the whole world. You want to you want to see a guy? Well, Colin Cowherd w- would be up there as well. So you got right. Stephen A. Smith, Colin Cowherd, Skip Bayless, <laughs> all in the same category. If you want someone who has provides knowledgeable insight to the X's and O's, of a sport, those aren't the three guys you want right. to go to. But if you These want, if you want someone who's going to get you talking about hot things, takes knee jerk reactions. 
And what are they going to do? That's the name. What of the are we game. doing right now? We're talking about Skip Bayless. Yes, we are. Point made. He knew he could say that garbage and people would be talking yep, about yep. it. Yep. And this is why I say I have this love hate relationship with him because minus all the Trey Sermon tweets in between there, the next time that Skip Bayless talks about Oklahoma, here's what he says: Oklahoma is playing better than Notre Dame. Oklahoma barely lost two. Oh, oh, that I think I skipped one ahead. But it says Oklahoma barely lost two early games with a redshirt freshman at quarterback and without its best defensive player, best running back, and one of its best receivers. Rattler has gotten better and better. D, the best in years. And this is an argument for Oklahoma to be included in the college football playoff. I mean, we can continue on down the list. I'm biased, but for the college football playoffs, why not take the four highest rated conference champs? Bay, uh, excuse me, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Makes perfect sense to me. I, I, like I said, it's this love-hate relationship because, Matt, you and I sat here after the two losses, and we said, would you rather have a Big 12 entity in the college football playoff or Oklahoma win the conference title? You and I took different sides of that argument, but when the possibility came for both of them— there was no possibility, though. That's there, the thing. There, there was no, there was never okay, a possibility. Look, look you're never going to convince what you call Joe from Anadarko. I'm Joe from Anadarko. I'm so and sorry. And I, I wish, <laughs> now I wish that Oklahoma could have made it because I think this is a defense that's capable of competing on that level. Again, apologies to anybody in Anadarko named Joe. I told you, I am Joe from Anadarko. <laughs> I do think that this defense with this front seven is capable of competing with any of the four teams that are in the college football playoff. How a freshman quarterback handles it is a completely different story. And that's where I think it kind of begins to fall apart. Given the injuries, given the, I'm looking at Jaden Hazelwood when I say injuries, because I think he's going to be a star Mm -hmm. in this offense, given what they were lacking at that receiver position and Marvin Mims taking up some of the slack and then kind of fading into the background once again, and us seeing Theo Weiss take up the reins, of course, getting guys like Mikey Henderson and Jeremiah Hall involved, as well as when Braden Willis came back, it it's, it's an offense that has potential, but has never said to me that they're going to compete with the likes of Alabama. Never said that they're going to compete with the likes of Clemson well, on the offensive right. side of the ball this season. Next season may be a completely different story. And I agree. I agree. Next season is yeah. defensively. I think they're on par. Um, and we've already we've already said no one's competing. There's only one team that's going to compete with Alabama. Well, I think Clemson's still going to win the national championship. I agree. I've been I'm putting that out. You're there. finally on my side. Because when was I not? I've I been said saying they were the best team in college all football. along. It's Clemson and everybody else, and then you kind of give me that tilted head look with a grimace like come on man really because i've been saying this since august but whatever um but you you brought up a good point marvin mims trajan bridges i mean keep going on about these young receivers we're we're missing austin stogner right so again don't mess it up we had one deep shot to trajan bridges Did, did can you can you sit here and look me in the eye and say that was the only deep route that Trajan Bridges ran all game long? No, no you can't do that. No. But we're going to say, well, why did Lee Raleigh call? Well, how do you know? If you're going to make that argument with me, then you prove to me that he didn't run any more deep routes and Rattler chose not to throw them. Prove that to me. And we're going we're gonna to harp on Lincoln Riley. Again, Lincoln Riley did what he needed to do. He called the plays. He stretched the defense. He told his young quarterback, play it safe, take the sure thing. And 
we don't have CD Lamb. You don't even have Charleston Rambo. You don't have Austin Stogner. What do you have? You have a bunch of young guys. And, you know, Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges, Marvin Mims, Mikey Henderson. These are guys you're trying Freshmen to Freshmen and sophomores. These by the are way. guys you're trying to win a championship with, and you did it. I take my I tip my hat to you, Senior O'Reilly. I tip my hat to you. <laughs> this will be the second no. This will be the third consecutive senior class to walk away with four rings on their hands. I don't know if you saw this. I tweeted it. um, I can't remember if it's Saturday morning or Friday night. Every Oklahoma freshman class. Did you see my tweet on this? Okay. Every Oklahoma freshman class from 1999 to 2018. Now you can say 19. Yeah, you can say 19 now. So every oh, every freshman class for the last 21 years, from 99 to 2019, every freshman class has won at least two conference championships for the University of Oklahoma. Think about that. Every freshman class for the last 21 years has won at least two conference championships. That's an incredible... Mm-hmm. When, when Texas says what they want to say... All you got to do is say every freshman class for the last 21 years has won two conference championships. How many conference championships has Texas won in the last 21 years? Checks notes, two. So they've got two conference championships in the last 21 years, and Oklahoma has two per class for the last 21 years. Incredible. Give me your offensive player of the game. (laughs) I had something I was going to add to that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I can't remember what it was, so... We're just going to keep on driving this train down the tracks. When I'm looking at the the offensive player of the game, it, it's got to be Creed Humphrey, right? No, <laughs> you didn't even know how to give respond me your to offensive that. player of the game and tell me why it's not why it's Chandler Morris. Offensive player of the game, we didn't even get into Chandler. Yeah, Morris. we we will though. Um, we'll, we'll come. Back offensive around. player of the game though, Matt, for me was I, I have to go with Marvin Mims. Yeah, and the reality is that this. It's easy to forget, once again, that here's a true freshman paving the way for the rest of the receivers. You saw him break off or behind the secondary, get himself open once again, but which is which one is of exact, us said on the preview. It's exactly one what of he us did. said on the preview. I, hey, you, sh- sh- <laughs> I, I did say that Jeremiah Hall was the individual to watch for the game. I never said that he would be the player of the game, but I said he could be a difference right. maker. And he, I mean, yeah, but I'm just saying that the speed getting behind that secondary, mm-hmm. I would say I was prone to that. Yeah. But whatever. Mar- Marvin. Exactly. Marvin Mims though, my player of the game eclipsed the hundred yard barrier, mm-hmm. the single singular touchdown there. But I also want to throw out special teams because we don't talk about them. And you alluded to that when we were previewing this right. game, undoubtedly special teams player of the game, Trey Brown. And yeah. I know that you mentioned that no, earlier, yeah. but I just wanted to go ahead and pass that award. Right. Off. I mean, Trey Brown, to me, I mean, I know Spencer Rattler got the MVP, but when you look at the two kickoff returns and then the interception, I don't, I mean, Trey Brown has a good argument for that MVP. Right. Um, and I agree with you on Marvin Mims, offensive player of the game. What about on the defensive side of the ball, though? Defensively, Rich, you've already said it. Oklahoma just dominated the line of scrimmage. They dominated with the front seven. When when you look at how good of a performance this defense had, it's it's found in the fact that Brees Hall, yeah, he scored twice, but the offensive player of the year for the Big 12, one of the top running backs in the nation, statistically the top running back in the nation, 
79 yards on 23 carries. No one will look at those numbers. All they're going to see is two touchdowns. But when you're able to bottle up a running back the caliber of a Brees Hall, I think you you could really hang your hat on that. We've talked about the responsibility that this Oklahoma defensive front would have, and I think they handled those every single responsibility exceptionally well from containing Brock Purdy because we know that he's been involved in the running game. We know that he's not been shy to tuck the ball and take off running towards that first down marker. So a little bit of contain there using the linebackers to clean up a lot of the mess that was coming through the line, if anything. But then of course that pressure in the middle to consistently flush Brock Purdy out of the pocket Man, Matt, I, I say all these good things, and then I think back very briefly to how many times did we see, not not Josh Ellison so Perry much, and Winfrey. but how many times did we I know see exactly where yeah, you're going. Perry and Winfrey get to the quarterback and then have this, I, I don't know if it was the oh crap moment of I didn't expect to be this free in the backfield, so we see him jump. He broke right there. He broke a cardinal rule. Mm-hmm. He jumped. Yep. He he left his feet. And when you leave your feet, yep, you lose you lose your leverage. But we see him jump. We see him get a hand on the quarterback. End up getting that face mask call. And then we see the last one there in the fourth quarter, which basically could have ended the game as well. We see him once again get free in the backfield and mm-hmm. just takes a bad angle. Yeah, you know, Winfrey should have had two safeties in that game. Honestly, I know. Legitimately should have had two safeties, but still he did his job and that his job is not to sack the quarterback. It really isn't. Now the opportunity was there, but that's not his job. His job is to just to be a, a disruptive force in the backfield and that's exactly what he did and Nick Bonito is the guy who benefited from that. Go ahead. Let let's <laughs> I'm going to tattle on myself. I feel like because people have probably forgotten about this, yourself included. At the beginning of the season, do you remember what I said about these defensive tackles? Yeah, 100% I remember because you and I had a strong disagreement over it. I am it. sorry. <laughs> I was wrong. I I couldn't have been more wrong at the production. I said that these two players, and I know that midway through the season, I said the exact same thing. If, if just, if you're, As an apology. Yeah, hold up. If you're just recently tuning into the Sooner Nation podcast, basically here's, here well, was our... Well, that's where I was going. I was saying that I said that these two defensive tackles from the JUCO ranks were just stopgaps. Right, and I was saying that they had to be plug-and-play players mm-hmm. that produced immediately, and and you're and like... They, you're like, no, you're going to develop young talent behind them, and they're mm-hmm. just, yeah. So the stopgap until that young talent comes right. along, because there is talent that's that's younger in years that doesn't have For quite sure. the experience along that defensive line. But Perry and Winfrey, I mean, was touted as the number one. He may have been the number one defensive recruit uh-huh. at the JUCO level. May have been the number one overall. I'd have to go Winfrey, back. Winfrey and, and Ellison were number one and number two um, defensive tackles, and I, I think. Man, now but I thought got, Winfrey, now, now I thought Winfrey may have been number one overall. All I'm saying is that he's living up to that billing, and I was dead wrong on my assessment of what Alex Grinch was attempting to do on that defensive line with those two guys specifically. Well, and and again, you got the uh, you got the desired production out of them. He was the number one junior college recruit in the nation, though, for 2020. You're right. Um, you got the desired production out of them, and and what the desired production was is turnovers. You you wanted to force, you wanted to win first down, you wanted to win second down. That's evidenced by Brees Hall's lack of a hundred yards that you did that, and then the turnovers show that you won 
on on the obvious passing downs. It's three sacks in the game, three interceptions in the game. Oklahoma's defensive game plan played out very similar to what I thought it was going to play out to. And it's genius. Pat yourself on the back. No, now now I'm worried about Alex Grinch going to Arizona. I mean that's that's my sudden. I'm like they they they're coming around. You're seeing this production productivity, especially on the turnovers, starting to happen. Thank you, Trey Norwood, for getting that that thing started back against Texas Tech. But now are we are we going to have to worry about Alex Grinch going to Arizona and this thing starting all over again? That is a legitimate concern, and it was something that I was concerned about even. I, I wouldn't say before, but right around the same time that Shane Beamer's name was coming up with South Carolina. And that was one of my true or false, if you'll mm-hmm. recall. Yeah, I, I was saying, was, I was he next on that list? Would he be the next coach to leave for another position elsewhere? Here's the question that I do want to follow up, and I may be jumping just slightly ahead on our docket for tonight. But when we look at the turnovers, we look at that production from the, the defensive front, and we're crediting them with a lot of what's happening on the back end, and rightfully so, is this something that's here to stay? Are the turnovers mm-hmm. here to stay? Are we going to continue to see that production from Trey Norwood? Are we going to see that from Trey Brown? Are we going to see that from Woody Washington in the future? Right. Well, you're only going to see Trey Brown one more time. Maybe. maybe. Uh, no, he's gone. I'm telling you, he's gone. Um, I, I know things, and I'm telling you, he's gone. Um, so you're going to see Trey Brown one more time. Um but are the turnovers here to stay? You would mm-hmm. you would think yes because yeah. this is what Alex Grinch. This was what he said right. when he came. He said this is what we want to be. This the, is and there was a number attached to which it, which is three, three a game. Right. But I'm saying for this season, I think oh, they gotcha. set that number at 22. Right. The, but the point I'm making is, is that when Alex Grinch came to Norman two two years ago, what we saw on Saturday against Iowa State is the defense that he said. This is who we're going to be. Mm-hmm. And what's great about it is the, the, it's not even his all his guys yet. Right. We're talking about Trey Brown. He, he is a Big 12 champion hero, but he's not one of Alex Grinch's guys. Mm-hmm. Alex Grinch's guys are really starting to come in this year. So is, is are we going to keep seeing this? I would think yes, because you've already seen them take a step forward with other guys that were there with what he inherited. So you... I mean, you're going to have those years where you, you you transition from an older guy to a younger guy at various positions. So productivity from that position or from that group may fluctuate. But I think the defense is here to stay, which begs the question now is if – I don't think Alex Grinch is going to take the Arizona job, by the way. I, I really don't. But should he take that job, do you, do you promote Barry Odom? You know what I'm saying? The, the the linebacker coach does does the, the guy that that Alex Grinch handpicked to come with him? Do you promote him before Alex Grinch can hire him at Arizona and just keep that system in place, or do you start over again if you're Lincoln Riley? I think Lincoln Riley has. I said Barry Odom, didn't I? Yeah, and Sorry. that's why I was looking at yeah. you very strangely, saying, "Did you get that name right?" Yeah, no, I didn't. Sorry, but you you ran with it, so I yeah. I can see um, that. wasn't Barry Odom from Wisconsin? Mm. Who, I don't know. Arkansas, is, Missouri. He's been in the SEC. I, I Google Barry Odom, Wisconsin. I, I'm just I'm just curious now. Um, man, ADD is kicking my butt right now. Um, but the the point I'm the point I'm making is, do you, do you take a guy like Thibodeau? Do, I mean, I I just feel like 
first of all, I'm going back to what I was saying. I don't think, I don't think that um, Alex Grinch is going to take the Arizona job. I really don't. But all that said, if he does, you have to worry about who he might take off of this staff with him. And if that's the case, you go to a guy that you that you, I mean, I guess you you go to a guy that you think, man, this guy gives me value. This guy is is a guy that um, that knows the system. And so you would go to a Brian Odom and you would say, there we go. Yeah, there we go. So you would go to a Brian and you would say, Hey man, you're getting a promotion because wouldn't it be worth it to keep him? If, if he's, if he knows the defense and he knows what we're trying to accomplish and he's got the rapport with the players, wouldn't it make sense to give that guy some money to keep him as opposed to Alex Grinch taking him with him to Arizona? Yeah. And it's a very, very likely ploy that coaching staffs use across the country. When you have, for instance, we could even look at Shane Beamer, and I get that there wasn't a whole lot of time that he didn't bring anyone with him. There wasn't a whole lot of time to develop extremely deep connections, but those connections do exist. And anytime that opening comes up, especially when you're trying to fill a staff, you can look and say, hey, you're essentially just a, a positions coach. Would you consider being that that offensive coordinator or that defensive coordinator for us moving forward? Right. Like I said, th- I do believe those conversations happen, but I believe there's an equal tactic on the opposite side, which is exactly what you're saying. To take a guy who is a positions coach when a coordinator leaves and say, we're going to make you the next coordinator, or you're the coordinator in waiting even. Right. Um, by the way, Barry Odom and Brian Odom are related, so it's not that big of a of a snafu. Maybe it is. Um, defensive player of the game for Oklahoma. I've got to go with with the middle and say Perry and Winfrey. I get that I mentioned some of the mistakes that were made, but when I look at the overall impact of the game, it's hard for me to say that there was a defender, a a singular defender, who had a bigger impact Mm -hmm. than him. (sighs) I mean, Isaiah Thomas would have been it for me early. Man, I'm I'm trying to think on what you just said about having a, a, a defensive player who had a bigger impact. Uh-huh. Cause don't, don't you think, uh, man, I think on all three levels, you could pick a guy. Could you not? Cause you could go with Perry and Winfrey on the front. You could go with, with Nick Benito in the second level. And then you, you could, you could pick a guy, you pick any of the defensive backs that got an interception, including Trey Brown, who sealed the game. I just, I just, I just, I'm struggling with the. I don't know if anybody had a, a bigger impact than Perry and Winfrey. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from Perry and Winfrey's performance. I'm really not. But Ronnie Perkins had one and a half sacks in this game. Brian Asamoah tied was one of five players who tied with six tackles. Pat Fields, Pat Fields on Kolar was a pretty good move. And by the way, I've got to say this. I got to throw this out here. I got nothing bad to say about Buki after this game. I, I've been riding the guy. I've been, I've, been, I've been throwing stuff at him. Well, you didn't hear his name, but you certainly saw him on the field. Well, that's what I'm saying. Which was I, a good thing. I got nothing bad hey, to say in, about in, Buki. In line with that, as you're trying to think over who your defensive player of the game is. Oh, I know who my defensive player of the game okay, is. I, I'm I was, just In line with that, were you shocked to see Robert Barnes playing linebacker? No. 
They don't need him at safety. Why, why did they move him to safety? Because of numbers. Where is mm-hmm. he more of a natural fit? Linebacker. Uh, your your facial expression is yeah, telling I, me that just, you're surprised. I was surprised by the move. That wasn't something that I had expected. As he came in to the college level, I, I just never would have predicted him to be a linebacker. Size-wise, it was there, but we talk about the length that you want in that secondary. Barnes certainly had that. Yeah, but they had moved him. I know, quite some time ago, but you never really... They may have even moved him at the beginning of the season, but you never really heard anything about him. It was all Deshaun White. It was all Nick Benito. Right. Uguibu, I mean, Azamoa. You can throw out all of these names. You never really consistently heard about Robert Barnes. So what I'm saying, ultimately, is that Robert Barnes, this was the first time I noticed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll allow it. Um, okay, here's my defensive player of the game. Um, I'm going with Pat Fields, and I'm going for this. I mean, he did have one of the three interceptions. Um, of course, you could make an argument for Trey Norwood as well, six tackles and, and an interception. But I, I love the matchup with Pat Fields on these tight ends. That was one of the differences between this game and the game in Ames. Now, Charlie Kohler, I'm, as I said in the recap, I'm ready for that guy to go to the NFL. I'm ready for him to be gone. Because he's he is a nasty <laughs> Jermaine Gresham type mismatch, but Pat Fields, the times he was matched up with him, or he's matched up with the one of the the other. I can't blame. I'm thinking. I'm blanking on his name right now. But Pat Fields, I thought, I thought he played pretty good. So and we haven't talked about Pat Fields that much this season. So I'm giving him my defensive player of the game. Not saying you're wrong because I I love what happened with the defensive line. And Pat Fields, the first interception of his career, correct? Maybe. As a junior? Maybe. So I I like the pick. I like the progression that we're seeing out of him. I like seeing him mature in that role. I like seeing him get the interception, of course. I Mm -hmm. mean, how how can you not? But I do believe first interception of his career as a junior. So there you have it. We got to talk a little bit about one player who's already entered the transfer portal And did that play into what happened in Arlington on Saturday, as well as some initial thoughts on Oklahoma, Florida, and the Cotton Bowl? Okay, we have confirmed that was the first interception of Pat Field's career. So kudos to you, Rich, for pointing that out. Now, you've got some... First of all, let me throw this out, because I don't know if you knew this or not. But Bryce Foster on Saturday did, in fact, commit to Texas A&M. Were you aware of that? Did you have that nugget of information? Okay. That kind of slipped under the radar in what was a busy weekend of Oklahoma football and basketball, which is my second point. Long Kruger's crew run rolls Houston Baptist on Saturday. Now it gets real with Texas Tech coming Tuesday night to get back into Big 12 play. But here's the other nugget of news. Tanner Mordecai has officially entered the transfer portal. When I say officially, like he's already tweeted out a thank you to Sooner Nation and he gone. Now you think, tell, explain to our listeners your thoughts on this and his connection to the Big 12 championship. No, no, no. So Matt, maybe you and I had a little bit of a disconnect, a little bit of miscommunication, like what was happening in the fourth quarter for Iowa State as they were trying to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was, during the game, First, very first quarter. In fact, Oklahoma's first score of the game came on what? A little bit of a surprise package that I don't, I don't know that anybody would play. have, would have predicted. Pure genius. Chandler Morris steps in the game, gets the two yard mm-hmm. touchdown run. 
but I had immediately messaged you and said, if that wasn't a sign that Tanner Mordecai was going to transfer, I don't know what is. All it said to me was that Oklahoma was utilizing Chandler Morris, that they were trying to figure out ways to get him involved in more of the game plan than what they were doing with Tanner Mordecai. And I get what you're going to say. I know what your response is going to be. It's going to be the Texas game. But no, when I, I'm not even going to say that. When I look moving I will say forward, now, though. when I look at the the equation moving forward, I get that it makes sense for Tanner Mordecai. It's difficult to compete with a guy who's locked up the starting mm-hmm. role and you have become a career backup, uh, unfortunately, because I think Tanner Mordecai is a very serviceable quarterback. Oh, he'll be a great quarterback for the Baylor Bears. He's very deceptively quick has that ability to run, and that's a really good fit. I hadn't even thought about that with Charlie Brewer's exit. But when we looked at what Oklahoma was doing, we look at who's coming in in this recruiting class. We look at how young the group of of quarterbacks are. Tanner Mordecai is the outlier to me. Mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of, and it's based upon one game. It's based upon one play. There wasn't a game plan that really involved him. And so I was drawing this conclusion. I thought Tanner Mordecai was gone from the beginning of the season, but that I thought play, he was gone since the Peach Bowl. That play right there solidified it for me, and said, so "There's no way he's sticking around." But see, no, I, I think you're looking way too much into that play, because that play has nothing to do with Tanner Mordecai. Has nothing to do with him. It has him being the backup quarterback. Nothing to do with him transferring out. Because uh, I mean, look, do you know who the running back was on that play? I don't. Seth McGowan. The only time we saw Seth McGowan in that game was on that play. That was the play where I'm looking at it and I'm going, <laughs> it's funny because I was telling <laughs> my family, I was like this, cause you know, the, the way it opened up, I was like this game, they're following our game plan. They, they listen to the podcast. They're doing exactly what we said they would do. And then all of a sudden you got Chandler Morris under center and Seth McGowan in the backfield. And I'm going, what the crap is this? And you know what? Iowa State defense was going, um, what is this? That that's all what that, that was all about but, mass confusion. So now are we not, gonna assume that TJ Pledger's out because Seth McGowan was in on that play? Would you not have had TJ Pledger one carry? But by I'm just the way. saying would you not have had a similar reaction? Let's just say that your Iowa State shoes, your Matt Campbell, you've sent out your your goal line stand mm-hmm. and out trots Tanner Mordecai. No, I mean, are you not baffled in, in no, this cause, same? No, because you're missing you're you're missing the boat here. What was the most shocking thing that happened? The most shocking thing that happened was not Seth McGowan. The most shocking thing that happened was not uh Chandler Morse. Do you're missing the most shocking thing that happened before this play? They faked an injury to Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler limps off the field, holding his hamstring like he's got a pulled a hamstring. That's where your focus is. You know it's a backup quarterback. And then there's Seth McGowan, your bruiser, right? This kid that they 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 tried to they, this, <laughs> wait wait wait. You're saying this jokingly, no? Yeah, I am. But 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 the point I'm making is, well, who did they see? They didn't see a lot of Ramondre in Ames. They saw Seth McGowan, and they know he's a dancer. And this is a goal line situation, right? So this set up perfectly because look, what, what's going to happen? Your freshman quarterback is not going to throw the ball in this situation. And you saw them try to jam Seth McGowan down your throat in Ames, Iowa. This whole thing sailed perfectly. Who's the quicker of the two quarterbacks? Chandler Morris or Tanner Mordecai? I don't know. I've Chandler never Morris, seen him in a foot hands race. down, hands down, is Chandler Morris. 
He's the more agile, more mobile. He's the quicker of the two. This play only works with Chandler Morris. It was a special. Have you, have you seen those plays? I mean, you you look up on YouTube all the time. Have you seen those plays where the it happens in high school where the center instead of snapping it between his between his legs, he just kind of turns around and hands yes, it to the quarterback, yes. and then the quarterback's holding it out like like yes, he's going to get. I've referenced that this weekend. That myself. only works with a fast quarterback. This play only works with Chandler Morris, and it's genius. They sold it from the fake hamstring injury to the to the third string running back to the third string quarterback. Everyone was confused. I was confused. You were confused. The Iowa State defense was confused. Matt Campbell was confused. Chandler Morris waltzes in the end zone. Pure genius. That was a setup. They said, guys, if we get a goal line situation, here's what we're going to do. I promise you that was birth through these two weeks of this is what happens when you don't get to play West Virginia. Lincoln Riley gets to sit there and kind of create some things. Are you looking up trying to figure out? No, trying, I'm looking up 40 <laughs> times because I want to prove yeah, you wrong. Yeah, it's just, you're looking up. I stuff. did though, so it's okay. Who's, uh, you did prove me wrong. Yeah, so Tanner Mordecai um, ran a 4.75 on a 40. Chandler Morris ran a 4.94. Okay, give me their rushing stats in high school. Well, that's gonna take some time. To okay. Find. <laughs> Point I'm making is I, that play that play had nothing to do with Tanner Mordecai. Here's what here's what this Tanner Mordecai situation is. He knew, he knew that he was number two to Spencer Rattler at the Peach Bowl. You can't deny that. You can't. You can't fin that off. You, that's it is what it is. He didn't have spring ball to prove himself. He got injured in the fall camp. Spencer Rattler becomes the starting quarterback, and he's not gonna. He's not gonna give that up. So now the only way you're gonna play is a situation where Spencer Rattler gets benched, like he did at Texas, or he gets hurt. You know he's probably not going to get benched because he continues to get better. Uh oh, you get that look on your face. I do because you you ask. Yeah, yeah. Pr- deliver, prove me okay? wrong. Hit, hit me. All, hit me all with, I've got is Mordecai right it. now, but Mordecai is a senior in high school. Ran for over a thousand yards. Okay. All right. Give me Chandler Morris. So then, <laughs> so then you, you lose your job. I mean, you, you don't win the job. And now, guess who's coming? Caleb Williams. So you're not even. There's not even going to be a bridge year for you to compete for a job. Because as soon as Spencer Rattler's finished, be it 2021 or 2022, the torch gets past Caleb Williams. That's what has that's that's everything about Tanner Mordecai's situation. Right, and I'm I'm and not disagreeing well, with that. The point I'm making is I think Lincoln Riley is sympathetic to that, so he didn't trot Chandler Morris out there on that field for that play as a kind of a finger to, to Tanner Mordecai. He trotted Chandler Morris out there because it was just a play that you've got to sell a run on. You've got to sell the run. And so when you've got a freshman, a true freshman, you've, you, it's your Iowa State body and hook, line, and sinker for the run, and that's what helped Tanner, uh, Chandler Morris roll out and get that touchdown. Yeah, so Chandler Morris, it's going to be a little bit skewed here. So I actually have to go back to his junior year because he only played five games as a senior. Okay. Or, or yeah, looks like he only played five games as a senior. As junior, as a junior in fifteen games, collected six hundred thirty-seven. How many do you have the five games of a yards. senior? Two hundred eighty-four. Right. It's on par for another six hundred yards. But but the point is, the point is, look, if you're if you're Iowa State and you see Tanner Mordecai, it could be an RPO. If you're Iowa State and you see the true freshman, it's a run play. 
I don't, I'm not disagreeing with the call. I'm not saying that it wasn't genius. I'm not saying that all players were involved in selling what was happening on the field in order to get that score. And it's largely because what did Oklahoma struggle with? They, they struggled with touchdowns in the red zone this year, did they not? And so when you have to get a little bit creative, again, this was for the conference championship. I think this is where the, the playbook is completely open. And anything that you want to use to get into the end zone, if you right. struggle with it in the past, you better use it. This is the game to do so. Oklahoma did that. They put it on film. Now guess what? Whoever they're – it's going to be Florida – who they're playing in the bowl game is going to have to prepare for that just in case Oklahoma does get into the red zone, finds themselves in a goal line situation. Yeah, that play won't come back. That's that's that that play has been garbaged. That that's a it's a one there, there's yeah, one bullet. I hope so. No, there's one bullet in that gun. Them. No, there's one bullet. You can't you can't run that play again. Why couldn't why couldn't you use the same set though? You could you use the saying? same set, but you're not gonna run. I mean, you just that play, that's a one that's a one trick pony. Florida will not fall for that. Well, I'll be honest. It, since we're talking about it, in that situation, I was more surprised to see Chandler Morris than I was a wildcat with Mikey Henderson. That would have been my go-to right. almost 100% of the time in that moment if I had to pick some sort of trickery. Never would I have picked Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris, fifth-string quarterback, by the way. He's not the fifth-string quarterback. He's the <laughs> third-string quarterback. Um, okay, give me your thoughts on Florida. I I, I do um, I do like this matchup. I, I'm not gonna lie. I was I was salivating for when the rumors were coming about about Oklahoma Cincinnati because I would view that as you remember. Do you remember when Oklahoma played UConn back in the Fiesta Bowl? Mm, yes. a, a situation like that. Um, that's kind of what I thought was coming uh, coming Oklahoma's way. But I'm intrigued by this Florida matchup. You get Kyle Trask and. You get this offense that comes with it. Yep. This is going to be a when when you look at the stats, offensively these two teams are extremely comparable. Defensively, you know you talk about the SEC and you talk about the the SEC defense, but Oklahoma owns the defensive stats going into this game, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. This game would have been vastly different for me, Matt, had Kyle Pitts played. I agree. I agree. And when you look at the nation's best tight end, uh, arguably the nation's no, best tight end. No, I don't think end. it's arguably. Well, you you were throwing out the name um, Iowa State, Charlie Kolar, previously. Right. I expect him to be an All-American. And so I, I say arguably because the Big 12 does have some a, a pretty good tight end. Right. Needless to say, I still, I still view Kyle Pitts as the top tight end in the country. But what we know, he didn't play in their previous game. He's not entering the NFL draft, and he's not playing in the bowl game this year. No, he's in the NFL draft. No, he's not. Oh, it says he will. I misread yeah. that. Yeah. He will enter the yeah. NFL draft. My apologies. When I look at the impact that he has, all of a sudden, I, I think of those mismatches. I think back to the first time right. Oklahoma and Iowa State played, and I, I feel as though that would have been the blueprint for that Florida offense. Right. Kyle Trask, no slouch. He can sling the ball. But without Kyle Pitts, I do believe it's a completely different offense. And I like how these two pair up because, once again, what you're going to see Oklahoma do, I think is much like they did with with Iowa State in the championship game, is bring that pressure from up the middle. Yeah. They're going to rush through right. and they're going to, they may just spy a guy like a Ronnie Perkins like they did on occasion. Uh, you're, you're right about Pitts, 6'6", 246. He's a nightmare of a matchup and he's uber-athletic. Um, but 
Florida State still has some pretty good receivers. They still have good Florida, options. Just Florida, not State. Did I say Florida State? I just need to wrap it up and, and stop That's okay, talking. That's okay, because I said Iowa State. Uh, I got you thinking Florida, State. Florida still has good receivers. Here's here's where this comes down to me and my initial thought. Because when, when they said Oklahoma-Florida Cotton Bowl, my first thought was, holy crud. You know, we just struggled with Charlie Kohler. Now we got to go up against Kyle Pitts. <laughs> yeah. That was my thought. And then, and then like my heart like slowed down when I saw that Pitts is opting out. But really what it comes down to for me in this matchup with or without Pitts, it just becomes a little bit easier without Pitts, is that Florida struggles to run the ball. Like they, they've sold out to the Mike Leach style um, of spread the field and, and launch it vertically get the ball out there. And we saw it with Cliff Kingsbury out in Texas Tech. We saw it with Mike Leach at Washington State. You're seeing it at Mississippi State. And so I think I think that kind of helps OU when you look at the track record of playing against teams like this, plus the ability to get pressure on the quarterback. You're you're 100% right. This defensive game plan for Oklahoma, it you want you want Kyle um Kyle Trask to have two options top you want to have the hot read and maybe get to one other before you're disrupting and you and you disrupt up the middle and you contain with your defensive ends and then you hope a guy like Nick Benito or David Aguebu can come in and clean up the mess. Now we've got some time to to preview this right. game more in detail, but there's nothing in me at this point that doesn't think this is a winnable game for the seniors. Absolutely. And I do know that there will be people. Let let's just assume that this game has been played Oklahoma beats Florida. We will once again hear this cry of why was Oklahoma not included in the playoff? I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put it out there. Matt, put it into the universe. Say it on record. It's because of two losses. I agree. I mean, I doesn't I, matter what I you started, do after the two losses. I started the podcast by saying this wasn't a playoff year for Oklahoma. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this also in Florida. They're, they're going into this game right in a two-game losing streak, and one of those losses was LSU. Right. This, again, a very winnable game for the Sooners. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Sooner Nation podcast. We do want to say Merry Christmas to you guys. Thank you for being our faithful listeners. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. You can find us online, heartland-sports.com. Have a fantastic week. Boomer Sooner.